everyone. Welcome to the Booze and Boobs podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Katrina. Thanks for joining us today as we talk about some of our favorite horror movies. We created this podcast as a way to give women more of a voice in horror. Men dominate most industries, especially film and television. And that also goes for podcasts. We'll focus on female characters, motivations, or just expectations placed on women in horror, even if the situation is happening to a man. We're excited you're here and we hope you love it. Now let's get to today's movie. Hey guys, guess who is back? Who? It's us. It's us. <laughs> Not that you missed us or anything, but we well, have had two solid listeners that we have that are just our friends. They will be surprised when we drop a new one because I didn't tell we were recording. <laughs> okay, so today we are going to cover Midsummer. And why are we covering Midsummer? Because it is it is May. Literally, that's it. That's it. That's the only reason that we <laughs> that we picked it. We were like, well, we should do some recordings. What makes sense? And I was like, well, May Queen. And that's it. Maypole, May Queen, maybe. Okay. Nice. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. So we're hard. back. Um, I think it was the Jennifer's Body episode that specifically I said, no more cross-country moves for us we're back and we're gonna be on a schedule and then i cross-country moved again and we lost a schedule and now we're here because rachel's a liar but it happens to the best of us well we're back circumstances (laughs) choices choices we should start a rupaul's drag race (gasps) oh we do love and then Marissa can help us on it. She can be like a guest star. She literally like knows every everything episode. about everything. I told guest her. Guest star in every episode. So Marissa is one of my best friends and I have other creative projects with her and she's also a Patreon and she supports me so she listens. But we are watching season eight of All Stars because it's currently May 2023. Um, and I was telling her, it's so nice to watch a season of Drag Race with you that you haven't seen because she literally knows everything like the way I know just every possible thing about Taylor Swift she just knows it about Drag Race she's like oh this is the episode where they do this challenge and this person wears this and then this person is is the lip sync winner and then this person goes home and I'm like oh cool (laughs) it's a talent and I support it it truly is but it's nice when like I get a reaction from her because she's like I love it right it's new and that's why I like doing a podcast with you. I like hearing your thoughts and opinions on things as we discover them. Even though we don't always agree, it's okay. It's for the best. It's fine if we don't always agree on everything, except your opinion on the black phone is still wrong. Which, by the way, literally today, it won best screenplay at a horror award. So I've been right the whole time. And fuck you. Mm, I don't think it proves anything. I just think it just proves that people have bad opinions and it's okay. Yeah, you. <laughs> other than me anyway no it doesn't hurt my feelings you didn't write it you didn't act in it it's i just okay. support it and the writer tweets me on the twitter a lot and <laughs> i'm working on like being besties 
good luck with that. I support I'm, you in that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, this episode could be just us like catching up on like horror things and life things from the past like six months. Well, I guess we can just go ahead and jump into the movie. Uh, spoilers for Midsummer. I just feel like I don't even know why I say it. I feel like if you're listening to this, it's not my fault. If there's something you didn't know about it, also the movie's been out for like five years. So there you go. Yeah, it's this is spoilers and trigger warnings all in one thing. So if you have seen it, you know what the triggers are. I almost said, wait, a trigger for what? I'm fucked. <laughs> I'm like, I, yeah, sure. That doesn't bother me. <laughs> So today's movie is Midsummer, directed by Ari Aster. Uh, we have in our little spreadsheet here notable characters. That would be Danny, played by Florence Pugh, uh, Scream Queen in her own right. And I'm obsessed with her. I think that she's just wonderful. I really enjoy everything that I've ever seen her in. The other main player is Christian, played by Jack Rayner. Uh, there are, I mean, it's kind of an ensemble, but those two are the main hoes. Mm-hmm. So we we start off in Midsummer uh, with a wonderful little tapestry mural thing that basically gives you the entire plot of the movie. And I don't think that they're even trying to hide it. Like, I don't think it's trying to be like a, f- I mean, I guess it is foreshadowing, but it's not like secretive like they're literally saying death in the beginning then we have a little bit of an adventure and like little pieces are in there and then the end is smiling right right and i think it's like it's not even an easter egg it's literally easter egg that's what i was thinking good job. yeah it's literally the whole story but if you haven't seen the movie it literally it means nothing to you so yeah it's just a tapestry really they're not giving anything out away i like because it just pops up and then it splits down the middle and it's like a curtain opening so it's like the show is about to begin so i really like that Mm -hmm. um then it's like a dark snowy foresty scene and then we kind of like not zoom like we just like see different kinds of settings and then um, a phone rings very loudly and it's scary and it's a home phone which i think is the scariest part of all yeah, nobody has those anymore. Out of all this, that was the biggest jump scare because it's really not. Yeah, everything scary... else. You're, you're very like it's dreadful. You're like, oh, what's gonna happen? But that phone. Was yeah, like, yeah, they got me in the beginning, but that's it. The phone is ringing, and we hear our main character Danny leaving a voicemail for her parents, saying she's worried sick because her sister has said or emailed her something very scary and ominous. And as the voicemail is playing, it pans over her parents sleeping peacefully in their beds. And we do see their chests rising. Yeah, they are breathing. So Danny calls Christian, who is her boyfriend, and she's just freaking out. She can't get a hold of her family. Nobody's answering the phone. And she's saying she's what she is saying and what she means are the same thing which I feel like is pretty true the whole time versus what Christian is saying versus what Christian wants and what he means the whole time. And it's clear that Danny knows that Christian is either holding back or lying flat out about a lot of things because she tells her friend 
you know, I he's very hesitant to even answer the phone and talk to her because he's just exhausted, I think, at this point and is they're in a point in their relationship where I think he just isn't enjoying himself anymore. Yeah, Danny says something about, I mean, she's she's spiraling a little bit. And as a woman, I think it's absolutely valid. Women get, what's the word? Like, attacked for being dramatic or thinking too much or, like, overanalyzing or things like that. But we're calling things as we see them. Mm-hmm. And Danny's fear is, what if I'm leaning on him too much? What if I'm too much? What if he doesn't want to be with me? And her friend is just like, well, you're doing the things that you need to do. You're being expressive. You're communicating. If he can't meet you, then he's a dick and you don't need him anyway. And I think during the entire movie, we are all in the place of Danny's friend because we get to see what happens with Danny and Christian the whole movie. Yeah. Just deteriorating basically further and further. Yeah, deteriorating is a good word because, I mean, what, the movie takes place over, like, an actual two, three weeks because, well, I guess it depends on... We skip, like, two weeks when they go to Sweden. Yeah. It's over... It's within, like, a month. I think so. I would say. Yeah. So, Danny is spiraling. She can't get a hold of her family. Christian is just, like... Well, your sister's bipolar and she acts crazy. And that's not me summarizing. Like, he basically says that. He's like, it's not a big deal. She always does this. She always pulls you in and you let her. So, placing the blame on Danny. That shit pissed me off. When I heard that, I wanted to come through the screen. (laughs) Like, it's not allowing somebody, like, she's nobody allows abuse. Like, somebody just abuses. Oh, that's good. Because if your sister is mentally ill and her mental illness causes her to abuse you, you're not allowing the abuse. Just, it's still not okay. But at the same time, you have that relationship with your sister that you want to continue and it's hard. Yeah. Danny's sister, Terry's email says like i can't anymore everything is black mom and dad are coming to goodbye and danny says that this email is different we don't know different in what way but there's also they call it women's intuition for a reason and it's not to say that men can't have intuition but women's intuition is usually pretty spot on like if we have a gut feeling we pretty much know what's going on so i mean what would you think if your sister, you know, made some yucky comment, had had a history of something that would validate your concern, and then in a roundabout way also threatened your parents. Wouldn't you also be freaking out? Oh, absolutely. And I think women, we are taught from a young age to read people's emotions and their feelings much more than men because, like, it's a safety thing as well. You're a million percent right. And so Christian's like, ugh, this doesn't affect me. This doesn't affect you. Like, just leave it alone. He's looking at it from a selfish perspective rather than being like, yeah, you're right. This is scary. I'm so sorry. 
um, what do you need from me? He's just like, she does this all the time. You let her do it, blah, blah, blah. And it's infuriating to watch. And it's only, it's not like this whole scene is not that long, but it shows so much of the relationship. I think that this was a really perfect setup and an introduction to all of these characters. Like even before what happens happens Mm -hmm. with her family, we're already on her side because I mean, obviously she's the only person we see for the first couple of minutes because everything's a phone call until it switches settings. But I can hear it and I care about what what's going on with Danny. Yeah. Cause on the phone call with Christian, you know, he answers and he's hesitant. Um, she asks if, you know, oh, are you still wanting to hang out? And he's like, Well, did we plan anything? And is like, Well, I guess we can hang out. At the end, she tells Christian, I'm so lucky to have you. He doesn't respond. And then she says, I love you. And he sighs and then says, I love you. And I. Well, he said, I love you uh, earlier in the conversation when he was like basically trying to get off the phone. Yeah. And then when she's saying it, it, when she's saying it like with conviction because she needs intimacy in the moment, that's when he's like pissed off about it. So it's fine if it's like a, a dismissive thing. But when it has meaning, he wants nothing to do with it. Yeah. Phone uh, conversation because, ends with right. Danny and Christian. Then she calls um, her friend. She calls her friend. And right. her friend is saying Christian is, you know, a dick, basically. But when the phone call ends, we go to where Christian is sitting at some pizza place with all of his friends who are going to be the characters for the rest of the movie too so there's right. uh, Pele who is their Swedish friend Josh um who's the smart friend I guess and yeah he's Mark. like the intellectual of yeah. the group and then Mark who's the dick really the clown the fool the fool yeah everything is put into an archetype for us um, which is played out through the story which is really nice it's I'm a fan of storytelling that tells you what it is and follows through with it. I I mean, I I think that this is absolutely a think PC movie and there's so much that it gives you a little bit and lets you answer the question yourself. But I like not tropes cuz I mean, I like tropes cuz sometimes tropes work, but when you know everything about the movie and then you go back and rewatch it, you see like check mark check mark check mark this was a plan and when mm-hmm. the plan is carried out i like that and then we get to see it in a cinematic sense and i very much enjoy right. that i always love watching a movie for a second time knowing what the ending is and picking out the pieces that you missed the first time and just being like oh this makes so much more sense now like when you watch scream yeah exactly mm-hmm. watching scream the second time is important yes Christian hangs up the phone with Danny and all of his friends are ragging on him. Like, uh, just break up with her. You don't even want to be with her. You haven't wanted to be with her for like a year. Just let it go. And Christian's like, oh, no, she needs me. Um, And he's just comfortable. Really, that's it. Like, he doesn't enjoy his situation. And we really don't know if Danny does either, but it's what's going on. So that's 
Well, and he even mentions like, what if I leave and then she doesn't want to get back with me? Like, he knows he's probably not going to get anything better, but he's afraid to go and try and fail because he's a little bitch. Yeah, he doesn't have, he doesn't have a lot of his own ambition. Oh, yes. He, I could, you can, you can see that with school as well. Yeah. He, like, I think the confidence is one thing, ambition. We're learning everything we need to know about Christian immediately. And, well, and he doesn't, he kind of stands up for Danny in the moment, but truly doesn't. He's not standing up for um, Danny. He just doesn't want to get bitched at anymore. Yeah. Which everything just pulls back to being him. He is selfish. The only thing that he is with 100% conviction is selfish. Yeah, because even with like, so they're all bitching about it. And then Danny calls him again while he's sitting there. And Christian tries to get up to leave to answer the cell phone call. What am I, 50? Christian gets up to get this. It's a a call on a cell phone. You're not wrong. Anyway, anyway, Christian gets up. To answer the call and Mark is being a douche and doesn't want to let him out and basically saying, oh, this is annoying. This is abuse. This girl needs a therapist, blah, blah, blah. And And he's like, she has a therapist. Yeah. And then he, the other friends let him out. And when he answers the phone, we just hear Danny screaming, sobbing, saying no, 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 no. And we cut to... Firefighters. <laughs> we cut to firefighters. Why can't they say firefighter? How about I, I do did. it? <laughs> Go for it. Christian answers the phone and Danny is just scream crying. She's saying no, 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 no all over again. Like she is in agony. And then we cut to a firefighter turning a couple of cars off in a garage and then we follow a trail of hoses attached to the car exhaust pipes going through the house, up the stairs. One is put underneath the bedroom door of Danny's parents that we've already seen. And it's like taped in there so no other oxygen can move. And then we find the other hose that's going right into Danny's sister Terry's room. And she's got it like of like a gas mask like hooked up into it so it's over her face and everybody's dead they've died from what is that like carbon monoxide yeah poisoning as you scroll above terry's head you can see like all of danny's unanswered emails that she had tried to get a hold of her i think emails is a little tough like i would not email you like my suicidal tendencies i would send that in a text I understand a little bit for like the sake of like making it a movie, putting it on an email, like a stationary device. Yeah. So without calling it like iMessages or something. Yeah. Also that. So um, Danny's whole family is dead and that's how the movie starts. Um, Great. So we go to a title card and it's very small print kind of looking far away and it's in like like a snowy sky so like the snow is like flailing all around beating down and then you see like a couple like director Ari Aster 
a couple names and then Midsummer, And then we pan down, Christian is walking toward the camera um, and then he's going to Danny's house and they're on a tiny little love seat and she's just like curled up in his lap, just like scream crying. And he's like patting her back, but he like, you could, he's not there. He is not present. No. He's even, even before he got there, he had shut down because like when he's walking outside, you can hear Danny screaming still. And what's crazy to me is like, if I heard somebody I truly care about, like screaming and crying, I would be hustling, you know, and he's just walking as slow as he can up into that apartment. Well, and I think that Danny's conversation with her friend, her fear of losing him, Christian's conversation with his friends, his nonchalance about Mm -hmm. going forward with a breakup, even though he's not happy in the relationship he just kind of has that moment and I've kind of had moments like that in relationships where like something happens and you're like well shit like I'm not getting out of this anytime soon yeah it's like this is not an appropriate time to break up with somebody (laughs) well yeah and I I you can see that right over his face like as Christian's like patting Danny on the back like he's still in his coat and hat from outside he's just like they're there and it's yeah I'm so thankful that I've never had to go through that experience but yeah but going through the experience also without somebody who actually cares about you uh it's the movie is absolutely set up i give a shit about danny i care about what's going on with her personally she probably would have been better off alone well when you think about what's gonna happen yeah yeah the trauma Um, doesn't stop like never no the craziness, the the dread, the grief. I mean, you get some hope at the end, kind of. Not really. But but it's hopeful in a way that's not like quote unquote good. So, but yeah. we'll get to that point because what happens next, Katrina? The next time we see Danny, she's laying in her bed, just curled up in a ball, which I mean, nobody can blame her for. And when we pan over to her, we see a little girl with a crown on head to head with a big ass bear. And that's a little bit of foreshadowing, I think, on no. Midsummer's part. It's a complete coincidence. <laughs> there has never been any kind of hint in this movie. So Christian comes into her bedroom and says he's going to a party and Danny says, oh, I'll go with you, which surprised me. But I think she's just trying to, like, be a good girlfriend so that Christian doesn't leave her at this point. I think she's trying to be a good girlfriend. I think, I mean, when you're so overwhelmed by grief, even staring at the same spot on the wall is a lot. And she's just Uh trying to switch it up. She's trying to do something. Yeah. I mean, Christian is very obviously trying to sneak away from the situation, but it's rude and, yeah. and there's definitely validation in not encouraging somebody to stay in a relationship they don't want to be in but christian is doing it to himself so the movie is set up that you support danny we hate christian and i don't care about any boys who want to complain about girls in the comments or in any kind of critique i will not be accepting any critique on danny 
but he doesn't invite her and he doesn't he doesn't do anything for her to be supportive really and and mean it and danny it's up to herself she if she's gonna do something if she's gonna work through it she's gotta go and when we cut to the party the sound is very muffled danny's just kind of staring off into space just standing in a group of people that are talking above her and then the sound gets really clear when somebody mentions family and it just triggers danny now she's listening now she's paying attention while all the boys are standing in a group together yeah and they're all now they're all talking about sweden and how they're all gonna go stay with pele in sweden for i don't know if it was a few months potentially uh, for the summer basically it, I think that they mentioned it was going to be like a specific amount of time. And then Pele mentions, and while we're there, it's our midsummer festival. Yeah. I don't like, I think that they were going. And then this midsummer festival, we find out, happens once every 90 years. So I'm sure, wink, wink, that the Sweden trip would have happened anyway. But I mean, and that's just the point of the movie. You have to have some kind of event or something going on that like makes a scene. So it just so happens that the boys were planning to go during that time frame. What a time to be alive. And I think it was two weeks away from like they were leaving in two weeks from this party that they were at. Yeah. Danny's surprised to hear that everybody's going and Christian will hardly make eye contact with Danny because he's like, Ooh, yeah I didn't say that and then when they go home it's a really pretty shot of Christian comes through the door first and then sits down at a chair and you can see him in like a floor mirror and Danny's talking to him so we see body Danny reflection Christian so like that's already saying like they're not on the same path like we're just getting different viewpoints of who they are it's a cool shot but it also means something yeah, so this is the one time that Danny is like trying to stand her ground. She's like, "Listen, you didn't tell me this. This you're lying right now. You're gaslighting me." And then Christian decides, "Okay, well, I'm just going to go home," which she's like, "Oh, well, shit. Don't leave me. I'm sorry." And then she ends up apologizing cuz yeah. she even told him, "Like, you haven't even apologized." He said, and he's like, "I said I'm sorry." And she's like, yeah, but you didn't mean it. And so then he tries to control the conversation and the direction of what's happening by being like, you know what? I don't have to deal with this. I'm going to go home, which he knows she probably doesn't want to be alone. And so now she feels like she can't say anything without his solution being like, all right, I'm just going to go home. Well, and that's a perfect conversation piece to demonstrate what happens in any kind of relationship but particularly you know men and women in this point because Danny says I'm not mad that you're going this is first your school like grad school trip thing like that's exciting but you just didn't tell me and also to consider her family you know just died and supposedly if he just decided today that he was going on this trip which he didn't just tell me like if if it's so cool and so whatever don't you want to share that with your partner and like talk about it like what's the problem why was he so afraid to tell her it's just literally him being a dick i partially 
can see why Christian would be afraid to tell her for a few reasons. One of them, he's still a dick. Like, he doesn't want to tell her because he doesn't want her to go with him. And that's fine. The other and reason. I, I think even right. through all of what Danny is going through, just for the parts of what we see so far, she would be fine. Like, I don't think that she's, like, actually holding him back from anything. I think if no. he had just communicated she would have been like have a great trip i'll see you when you get home i love you bye she wants it to be healthy so bad but it's just it's just not and nobody's perfect danny is to me but (laughs) but on the other hand christian could have been like well she's not that it's correct but his logic could have been she's been through so much this is gonna stress her out maybe i'm saving her the stress maybe i'm you know helping her by not telling her and which is not not correct it's not correct he's still wrong but i'm i'm wondering if that could have been something that played a role i can't remember now that we're speaking about it but i know so in the conversation in the very beginning where all the boys were out when danny was first calling christian on the phone and they were talking about going to Sweden and how they were urging Christian, like, haven't you told her? Why haven't you told her? So they've been planning this trip since before Danny's family passed. But I can't remember if they said exactly how long they'd been planning it. So even before the family dying, there was time to tell Danny or discuss it. And that's the thing. Christian, Danny doesn't own you. You can do whatever you want. You're a whole person. Sure. But there's also kindness and consideration. And he's just 100% selfish. So. I can agree with that. Thumbs (laughs) down. So after the fight, the next scene that we see is Christian coming into an apartment where all his buddies are sitting in the living room. And before Danny even comes in. He has to make the announcement that, hey, by the way, I invited Danny. She's she accepted, but she's definitely not going to go like she's definitely never actually going to do it. She just said yes, but she's not going to do it. And I'm like, everything she said is true so far. Yes. See, and I love this. This is another shot where Christian is being shot in the mirror and we're seeing Mm -hmm everybody else just sitting and looking at him and he's like but she's not coming but i invited her but she's not coming and she's we i invited her to sweden we talked about her coming to sweden but she's not going and i yeah you're exactly right because the whole time danny says what she means and christian just can't do anything all the while she's outside the door and i think she's just standing out there but i don't know if she followed him in like did he like sprint up the stairs how did he get so far ahead of her yeah i don't know if he just got there a couple minutes before she did because the plan was to meet over at pele's or i don't know it was in the script i just accept it christian's in there he tells the boys that he invited her to sweden but she's not Mm -hmm. coming and the boys are all really upset Valid. Yeah, because they don't want her to go because they think she's a party pooper and they she just drags Christian down and Christian's probably too good for her, which is obviously not the case, but they're all delusional. I don't think any boy is too good for any girl in the whole world. 
I think you're exactly right. But that's pretty personal to me. Um, I'm not sure if we ever said before what the Sweden trip is. So just for clarification, the boys, Mark, Josh, and Christian, are going with Pele to his home village in Sweden for they're all anthropology grad students. So this is a chance for Josh to he has like his thesis or whatever on the Harga who are Pele's people to study their ways, their culture, things like that. Cause they're mm-hmm. a pretty not nomadic, but they're like their own community. Like the not uncivilized, but not first world, I guess. Definitely not modern. Modern. Like. That's that's a better way to say it. Cause I mean they have their own like ecosystem. Like they're they're a productive people. They're just not like yeah. living in a city. So yeah. I wanted to put that out there because I don't think that we've said that. So one, w- what we know of Danny is that she's not in the grad student program. I think that she is just in undergrad and all the boys are in grad school. Probably. So there's not really a reason for her to go on this trip, but it, but it's kind of one of those things, you know, they're they're going to Sweden with some kind of academic purpose, but they're planning on having a good time too. I mean, and if I'm going to Sweden, I'm going to have a good time. I've been to Switzerland. At the not same Sweden. at the same time, like if you have the opportunity, why not? Why wouldn't you go with your boyfriend to Sweden? So after the guys finish complaining, Danny walks in. They're all very awkward, very obviously fake. Um, but Pele is the only one who truly engages with her and actually has some sense of compassion and like wants to talk to Danny. Yeah, Mark and, says to Christian, like he pulls Christian aside, presumably to like dog on him for inviting Danny and ruining the trip. And Danny sits on the couch with Pele, and Josh is just he gets up and leaves. Like yeah. the room is awkward. And I get it. And I feel like this is also the thing. Christian didn't communicate to them that he, you know, if, if you and I were going on a trip and something was going to go on or whatever, I would be like, hey, how do you feel about this plan change? You just have yeah. to communicate. He doesn't communicate to Danny. Christian doesn't communicate to his friends. So they're all rightfully pissed. Like, I'm not upset with them for not wanting Danny to go. Yeah, especially if you know that that person is like, not really part of your group and is gonna make it a little awkward and i'm like this is pele's trip that he's planning he's arranging transportation like if christian didn't confer with him beforehand like what if there what if he she couldn't go i think maybe that's what he was hoping but but pele he's all for it and danny sits on the couch and they're talking and he says, I'm excited for you to go and gives her a, a little backstory about their people and what the Harga Midsummer tradition is. He leaves out a few important bits, yeah. um, but he is really kind and welcoming. And as an audience, we're like, we're buying into him. Yeah. We're thinking like, well, oh, this is a nice guy. He's better than Christian for Danny. Wink, wink. Literally the only one that's, you know had a conversation with her and she reveals that she's in school for psychology which makes sense because most people who go into psychology 
need psychology from what I've heard. So I already self-diagnosed, so I don't need to pay anybody (laughs) for it. Uh, But she explains that, oh, we're going to be arriving on my birthday. Like they'll be at Harga the day of her birthday. And um, so she's a summer baby and we assume it's May. So she could be a Taurus or she could be a Gemini. I will say that Taurus women have ruined my life and I won't have anything to do with them anymore. So I hope she's a Gemini. Oh, that Gemini did break my heart though. Damn it. Fuck you, summer babies. <laughs> I was going to say like a fellow earth sign, but um, maybe not. Nope. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Katrina is a Capricorn and my best friend and I'm a Virgo and her best friend. Right. Obviously. Okay. Ooh. We're going to fight, but <laughs> Tauruses, I, I don't fuck with them. Pele is talking to her about Harga and is showing her photos. And then she sees a photo of all these women with these flower crowns. And he explains, oh, those are our May Queens. And we um, have this custom every year, blah, blah, blah. And she looks like super interested in the May Queen. And I'm like, mm, I wonder why. Next foreshadowing yeah um well so pele is explaining the traditions and everything and then he kind of gets serious with danny and he's like hey i never had a chance to have a conversation with you and give my condolences i'm really sorry about what happened to your family family is the word danny's like you see her whole face change she's like meh and then she starts like squirming and is a little bit uncomfortable and pele tells a little bit of a story about how his parents died in a fire and they're both orphans and he he's trying to connect wink wink because we know something now that we've Mm -hmm. seen the movie but um danny's just not in a place for it you know she she just can't talk about any family relationships or anything and she's trying to be polite but she just starts hyperventilating really uncomfortable she gets up and runs to the bathroom and then this is one of my favorite shots it's just so beautiful the camera pans over danny as she's walking into the apartment bathroom and then she's in the airplane bathroom and then it it cuts to like a, a body shot of her in an airplane bathroom a huge airplane bathroom by the way like she can actually stand and turn around in it there's that but she's freaking out again so it's a great transition into them being on the plane going to Sweden. Yeah. But also to signify that she is still not doing Struggling, well. Having panic attacks and yeah. Something I did notice was like the costuming in this movie is very detailed. Like everybody at Harga is very put together, dressed nicely, everybody. But Danny, from the point of finding out her family had died to up all the way until like Harga and even through her visit into Sweden the whole time her clothes just read depressed she puts zero effort into they're it. baggy and, and bulky a little comfy like with right? their wide leg like, pants and stuff like that who does that anyway not <laughs> us we're too old no. I like a cuff on my sweats and there's I noticed it. I don't know if I've noticed it before when I've seen the movie, but when we were watching it the other day, everybody's always in something blue. Like there's a ton of 
blue outfits or blue accents or something. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's not every single outfit, but there is a lot of blue. Yeah. Well, and once we get to Sweden, it's daytime. Other than like a few clips, maybe it's daytime throughout the whole movie. Yeah. it's So it's been pretty dark and dreary, winter, depressed. And then once we switch over to Sweden, it's bright, airy, clean, sunny, happy, but not really. Well, and have you seen Hereditary? No, I was reading some articles on this and I was like, I probably should have watched Hereditary. I saw Midsommar before I saw Hereditary. Um, and, and this isn't really a spoiler, but they're sister movies in the sense that mm-hmm. Hereditary is basically all dark. So where there's mm. tons of sun and brightness in Midsommar, Hereditary is pretty much all dark. There's some daylight, but it's right. like the same thing. There's like some daylight, but it's mostly dark inside or like the kids at school and he's got like the yucky fluorescent light things, yeah. but it's kind of like shaded, like that bluey horror tone thing. And yeah. Midsommar is the opposite. So um, both movies are about grief and, and struggling with them and they're different, but just fun fact is yeah. like how you're mentioning everything's all bright and light. It's also, it's related to something that the actual yeah. movie isn't related about. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, because on on the surface, everything's bright, happy, sweet, and fun. But underneath, everything is very dark and serious and sinister. Yeah, that's a great word. We're in Sweden now. Uh, They take a four-hour drive up to wherever they're going. And we do kind of an upside-down shot. So we see the car driving at us. The camera flips upside down. And then the car just keeps driving. So it gives you that sense like we're in another world now, so to speak. The car comes to a stop in like a field and it made Katrina really upset. Okay, listen, I'm upset for a few things. First, they did not have to make the upside down shot so long because it made me nauseous. It's unsettling. It's all in part of the mood. I didn't like it. And two... Um, yeah, there's a lot of road left. You sh- you could have drove basically the whole way, but you want to make people take mushrooms and hike for hours, which I did have a, a thought that made me kind of understand it a little bit later on in the movie when we were watching it. I wondered, and we'll we'll get to the part, but they pull up into a meadow basically with like a little gravel trail through it. And mm-hmm. like there's a bunch of people just chilling in the hills of this like grassy like pasture almost and instantly i'm like ticks so many ticks. <laughs> i knew you were gonna go here and uh, because i just moved to the country and i realized that my wife is uh terrified of ticks and so now i'm always thinking about ticks oh yeah another update from the booze of boobs podcast rachel moved and your katrina got married oh yeah yay me you're married you i'm an homo? honest woman now you're welcome they okay so they get into this meadow they meet pele's brother ingmar ingmar uh-huh. and ingmar's friends that he brought which were connie and simon look at me remembering names i'm actually really impressed uh, good job okay thank you thank you 
Um, and they're all like, oh, you just made it in time. We're going to take a mushroom, do a psychedelic, take a drink. I don't know. However they want to do it. Because I think Danny took a drink. They ate mushrooms. However yeah, you want to take it. It's Danny didn't want to take the mushrooms. She said she wanted to get settled. She was feeling a little off. Christian does say he'll wait for her to take it. Um, Katrina doesn't do drugs. I don't do mushrooms, but I I do some stuff that is some stuff. Anyways. Um, and Christian says that he will wait. And honestly, it's kind of the nicest thing that he volunteers of himself the whole mm-hmm. movie. Um, but the rest of the group is like, oh, well, we'll have different trips. And Danny just says like fine she'll take it and christian says you don't have to right now but danny wants to please everybody she already knows she's right. an imposition so she's like i'll just take it and then ingmar i think is the one who offers her a mushroom tea instead of chewing mushrooms i have never done mushrooms but what i know about them is like chewing them like it's it's really gross and gritty and um, a lot of people like hide it in a sandwich but Danny ends up taking it, and then everybody's kind of sitting on the hillside, just very zenned out. And Mark, oh my god, when we were watching this movie, I realized, like, I'm so Mark, and that's and so I, bad. I hate Mark as well. Now, when he had the mu- when he was on mushrooms, he was funny. Every other moment with Mark, I hate it. <laughs> well, he, him in the car, he's sitting in the front, and he's played by Will Poulter, who's the the kid from We're the Millers, who's like, you guys are getting paid. So I I love him and he's really good in everything. Like he's a good serious actor. He just plays like kind of these outlandish characters. So like, he's very Mm -hmm. recognizable. Like he comes off like a, like a zany kind of a person, but when they're in the car driving up to like this pasture area, somebody, I don't know. It's like how much longer in Paley is like, it's like four hours and Mark sitting in the car and he's like, and I'm like me in a car. Cause I hate, I hate driving. I hate road trips. And then when he's in the meadow, they're like sitting on a hill he's tripping out and then he's like laying on his back and he's like everybody lay on your back and everyone else is just enjoying their own trip and all saying and he's just staring when he's like you guys have to lay down with me you guys have to <laughs> i'm like honestly i get it and then somebody else like walks by on the hill and he's like there's a new person here i'm like oh man i i really identify with these kind of characteristics like he's just a little neurotic and it's funny i like it he doesn't give a shit about anybody else or what anybody else thinks. Yep. And that's going to get him into some trouble later. Yeah. So Danny is having her trip while Mark's doing his little rant thing. And, you know, she's tripping and the, the CGI in this movie is actually really great at like placing emotions and, and these hallucinogenic qualities. I mean, obviously she's on mushrooms, but um danny is just sitting in the grass and her hands are on the ground and then she like kind of looks at it and then it looks like there's grass growing from her hands and then mark says something about you guys are like my family which just snaps danny out of it and now she's panicking she gets up and everyone's like you good and she's like and then just starts walking away she comes across like another group of people and they're just kind of like laughing having a good time but then she's tripping too and she's like they're Uh laughing at me and ingmar comes up to her and he's like no they were already laughing you're okay i can't remember what he does but like he tried he like invites her to like sit with them or do whatever and she's just like no thank you and just keeps walking and then she runs into an outhouse and as she flips on the light in the outhouse she sees in the mirror 
a little image of her sister with the gas mask on her and like the hose and everything. And it just freaks her out. And it's only for a split second, but she's freaking out. Then we see her run out the out of the outhouse door into the woods. And then it just cuts to her waking up because she was like lying somewhere on the ground. Yeah. And so she wakes up to Christian saying like, hey, it's the next day. Because she asked him like, how long was I asleep? And he's like, well, technically it's the next. She's like, is it tomorrow? And someone was like, well, technically, according to yesterday, it's tomorrow. But Such a fucking she- dick. Shut up. She gets up and they continue their like hike into Harga, basically. And here's where I'm like, maybe they had them do hallucinogens and parked so far away to kind of disorient the the people that are visiting so that like nobody can run away potentially because there's a drivable path up to Harga and there are cars in the community in the village so I'm like why not drive the whole way and then on their walk into Harga they uh were asking um about does Sweden have ticks and I literally had already googled this and someone was like yeah Sweden has a tick problem and like talked about the disease that comes with it and I was like oh my god these people so well, and it was really funny because we were just making comments like oh there's a lot of ticks and then they started on it and I didn't remember that from watching it before no. so it was just very funny well, in every time I had a random question, like I was like, I wonder if they have ticks. And then later on, I was like, I wonder how they make their money. Because as an accountant, I'm thinking financially, how do they do this? Like, what do they provide? What do they like? Do they pay taxes in Sweden for their stuff? Like, do they? And then as soon as I asked all of that, like within 30 seconds was like, oh, we make our money from blah 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 I don't remember what it was like lumbering or something like that and I was like why is this movie reading my mind right now please stop <laughs> it's unsettling it makes it realistic you know you ask questions I mean there's a lot of fantastical elements to this cult mm-hmm. but there's a lot of grounding into the real world which adds to the horror aspect and I like it yeah so they finally arrive in Harga and they It's kind of like when you land in Hawaii and everybody's giving you a lay. (laughs) They're just like, there's like little flute people playing music and they're like hugging everybody who comes in. They're getting little flowers. Like they're trying to make everybody feel super welcome. And there's a lot of, a lot more guests that come that we actually never see again throughout the whole show, which I had a question about, but I don't think I'm ever going to get that answered. I don't know, because the whole point of them bringing outsiders into their community is for a reason. Mm-hmm. So, like, we never hear about them. There's, like, two or three, like, featured people that aren't Danny's group or Connie and Simon. They don't get right. lines or anything, but they're there in regular clothes, and the Parga, they're, they're in all white, like, they're in, like, robes and dresses mm-hmm. and like very obviously natives versus the outsiders yeah so there are a lot of questions on who are they and what yeah 
so everybody in Pele's group and Danny and Christian, Josh, they're meeting all the people that are important to Pele. And Father Odd is like the, I'd say leader, but there's also other significant leaders in this group. But he's like more like a pastor. Like a, a tribe or like a board. Of like yeah. Elders, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But his name is Father Odd. And he was looking directly at Danny and says, we are so happy to have you. Like he made a point to make eye contact and say this to her. And I think this is where the whole thing just kind of was like, oh, they're really targeting Danny, in my opinion. I think in social situations, you can kind of tell group dynamics and things like that. So if they were looking for somebody to kind of absorb into their community, I think she'd be a very obvious option. Well, and it's possible that Pele had already talked to Father Odd, considering they have if they have cell phones. I don't know. Right letter. Maybe Pele told him, "Hey, I'm bringing this group. I really like Danny. Please be nice, extra nice. Who knows? Maybe." We kind of go to everybody's just having like their welcoming day. One of the elder women is like. Thank you, everybody, for coming. This is our Midsummer Festival. It's a nine-day feast extravaganza, basically. Um, and they speak in Swedish, and they're saying things about, you know, casting out the evil and giving themselves to their spirits and things like that. And it's a little awkward. And there, there's a lot of, like, chanting and, like, guttural noises and, like, I don't know culty stuff um yeah and, and what's a funny thing um katrina wrote all the scene titles in our note thing and i loved this one because she put welcome to our culture and i liked it <laughs> so yeah everyone's in they're chilling um pellet's group they're like on a, a blanket that's laying in the grass just having a good time and there's this like redheaded young girl who we see in a distance come out of a building and then she kind of like makes eyes at Christian and then they start playing what is called skin the fool but it's like ring around the rosy without ringing like everyone's just holding hands and kind of like running in a yeah. line um this girl this redhead we find out her name is Maya later so I'll just call her Maya um when they're streaming through people she gives christian's side like a little kick just to get his attention and mm-hmm. then he christian kind of like asks pele like can anybody play this game can anyone do it he and pele's like yeah go for it like do whatever so i don't know why this like dude wants to play ring around the rosy but it's in the script and it's fine and yeah. it gets everybody out because then uh mark and josh go off like they're exploring josh's you know, got his nose in a book from like the Harga traditions. I don't know how he has a book about it and how he knows some I of think... the information he has because they're a very secretive community, but he has some information. I think his original thesis was on ancient cultures. And so, because later when they talk about Christian wanting to do his thesis on Harga, He says, well, I knew that 
Josh was planning to go to other countries as well to do like a more generalized thesis about ancient cultures. And then Christian was like, I want to do Hargus specifically. And then that's when Josh is like, but you knew I was going to want to do this. So they just kind of have a pissing con- contest over it. And it's stupid. Haha, <laughs> That's foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, everybody goes away. And then Pele and Danny are left on the blanket. And Pele gives Danny a portrait that he drew of her. And it looks good. And he says, happy birthday. Like, this is something I do for people. So we can see, like, he has an artistic quality. And Danny's really overwhelmed. She's like, wow, that's so nice. And then she, like, kind of says something about how Christian hasn't wished her happy birthday yet. And Pele is like, oh, like, that's terrible. And and she's just making excuses for him. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot. I didn't remind him. I didn't remind him. We We could go into weaponizing confidence later, but not today. Yeah, and Pele was like, oh, I'm sorry, was this inappropriate? I'm like, no, just because her boyfriend forgot doesn't make it inappropriate. But uh, later on, they're going, like, getting a little bit of a tour. And I don't know exactly when, but they see this, like, tapestry of, like, a woman, like, cutting her pubes and, like, bleeding into certain things. We see the tapestry. Everybody is, like, walking around getting well like, and he's here's this here's that and then he's explaining it to somebody but i don't remember who it was i think the he's tapestry like oh it's a love like, like a dissolve for us i thought it was like sewn into a blanket and pele was like oh this is a love love potion or love spell basically and we see like the cutting of the pubes the bleeding into a cup Regardless. Either way, there's information that we get about a, a yeah. girl wanting to make a man fall in love with her. So she cuts her pubes and cooks them into food and then has like her Leads period into a drink. drip out of her into like a chalice. The man drinks from it and then he gets like the spinny the heart eyes. eyes. Yeah. And then he falls in love with the girl. Voila. As simple as that. Pubes and blood, people. That's I mean, it. yeah. What else is there? Witchcraft like, at its way finest. To get a man. <laughs> Blackmail them being like, listen, you drink my blood. I'm going to tell everybody you have to be with me now. It worked. But during their tour, um, Christian is asking about this big yellow triangle building as they pass a bear in a cage. And it's just some more foreshadowing. They do that a lot. Josh and Christian are, you know, kind of like quizzing Pele about a lot of the stuff that's in Harga. They go to their room that they're going to be staying at, and Pele explains, we all stay here. Uh, This is where the young people stay. And then he goes into describing what the Harga life cycle is, basically saying zero to 18 is like seasons. It's like spring. You're a child. 19 to 35 it's like every 18 years 19 to 35 is you know your summer when you go out and then your working age and then you're an elder danny asks what happens after 72 because he has a cutoff for that and pele in a joking manner like does the throat cut kind of thing to her and they all laugh 
not funny apparently but, but just like danny pele is basically always saying something truthful exactly yeah and they're the building that they're sleeping in is really beautiful it's a two-story kind of like open barn and there's murals all over the wall and they use a lot of the runic alphabet um so different things mean different things and then they have a wall of photos of all of their may queens for the past mm-hmm. however many years and Danny's just kind of staring at it, just taking it all in. She thinks it's really beautiful. Josh is marking everything down. Posterity, I guess. Yeah. And then Christian pulls Danny outside of the barn, you know, surprises her with like a little slice of birthday cake. And because he's like, you didn't think I forgot, did you? And Danny just looks at him like, well, yeah. <laughs> well, and we see Pele pull Christian aside and be like, listen. I just thought I should tell you all the while, while, you know, Josh is making his intellectual notes. Mark is like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to sleep with all these penises on the wall. It's a lot of penises. <laughs> They're a very open community. Like for all yeah. of their strict rules, they are pretty uh, body positive. They ask about tomorrow and Pele says tomorrow is the Atsupa. At- at- I can't. At his, at his stupa. Yeah, and Josh gets all wide-eyed, and he's like, really? There's gonna be one? And like, yeah, yeah, and he giggles about it, even. And no one else has any idea what it is. Between Pelly and Josh, they won't say anything. And Christian tries to Google it, but he has no service. And so just leaves everybody in the dark. Like, you should get an opt-out button, but it's not there. So now we are at the Atastupa. It is a whole... Horrific. That too. There is a feast in the morning, or what I presume to be the morning, since it's sunny almost the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, the people are all sitting at a table, and then two older people are walking out of that yellow triangle building that Christian pointed out earlier. And they sit in throne-looking chairs. They have their feast. And then the two older people are kind of, like, carried, like a like a chariot way. Like, their, their thrones are, like, picked up. And then everybody kind of moves over to the bottom of a cliff. This part, well, the first time I watched it, did not see it coming. But you see the elderly couple. I don't know if they're a couple. They're just elderly man and woman up at the top of a cliff i don't think that they they are a couple i think that they are just a man and a woman yeah they're 73 apparently and And at the top of the cliff they look great they they really do at the top of the cliff you see all these like rocks and they kind of look like headstones and then this lady they do start doing this ritual the elderly lady cuts her hands and puts her hands on the rock puts her blood on it and then from the view of all the spectators at the bottom of the cliff you just see a person come to the precipice and just arms out face down straight like belly flop belly flopped straight to the ground onto a giant rock yeah and um I don't remember there even being like a lot of music or anything to set the mood. Like no. you get some cuts back and forth silence. on the top 
of the cliff and then at the bottom everyone's just kind of looking around and the I mean I won't even say like the Americans but Danny's group and then um because Connie and Simon Ingmar's friends they they're Mm -hmm. from London so it's not the Americans but everyone's kind of freaking out outsiders yeah good Connie and Simon are very vocal they're like what the fuck is going on we got rightfully so freaking out screaming like how the fuck are you guys not freaking out what is wrong with you just losing their mind yeah and Danny she's silent I mean she's affected but she's in shock yeah I think literal shock is she can't talk she can't really move either Mark is napping apparently so he's not there for it Josh is like into it taking notes as he's just taking notes this whole time and christian is trying to like comfort danny a little bit like are you okay like oh my god what just happened and pelly's like oh i should have warned you yeah you fucking should have yeah maybe just a little it you think oh it can't get worse and it does well the elder lady from the first day is trying to talk to Connie and Simon. She's like, no, this is a part of our ritual. They're excited to be able to give themselves like to the spirits. Like their life cycle is complete. When it's my turn, I will happily do it. And the outsiders, AKA like the rest of us are like, no, this is not a good thing. This is awful. And we should be a part of it. And like Katrina said, it definitely gets worse because then the man is at the top of the cliff and he does not belly flop. He just, he pencil dives. He just goes yeah. straight down and he doesn't die. He just shatters his leg bones and they're all sticking out and he's whining. He's in pain. Groaning, but, crying, like. Uh, yeah. You have no bottom half of your body, bruh. Yeah. Yeah. And so as he starts crying and screaming the whole community starts crying and screaming with him and then we see these i think it's like four people three or four people with this giant mallet walk up to him and just swing it on his head like smash like he has no face anymore and they the first time was enough but they had to do it three or four times because maybe that's the ritual but they show his face being smashed as well. So that part, I did not expect either. I did not expect to, like, see it. Yeah, like, it's it was visceral. Great makeup and, like, special effects. And because the the Harga, they're all, like, moaning and, like, communing in that pain. Plus, you get everybody else who's yelling and freaking out, like, all the outsiders. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very loud. And then we smash cut to uh, both of the people on, like, a grill, basically. They're going to burn the bodies over this fire pit. So you just see all of their carnage. And it's very unsettling. I remember when I first watched this movie, um, I was at a Halloween party at my friend's house. We go over there and we watch movies. Like, that's just what one of our, like, Halloween things is. Um, and there was this guy there and he just wouldn't shut the fuck up the whole time. Um, but he was just like laughing and making jokes and like, I like to have fun when I watch movies, but when it's like 
a party and we're all watching the movie and all of us like i mean there's not a ton of us but we're all like into it watching the movie and this guy's just one-liner after one-liner after one-liner if they were good one-liners then i maybe could have tolerated it more but he's just like making jokes and stuff and like it completely ruins the mood like i want to be in the movie i want to feel what's going on and yeah it's gross but like shut the fuck up please <laughs> so i just remember at that part like when it goes from the out of stupa to like i mean i don't even know like if you'd call it like the sacrifice like them like yeah cremating the body kind of he just like wouldn't shut up and like every time I watch the movie since like I'm affected but I don't feel like I was like it's ruined for me because mm-hmm. like yeah, I the just first remember time... him talking yeah and so they all get back and they're all talking amongst each other and Christian decides he's gonna tell Josh I'm doing my thesis on the Harga. This is when they get into their little fight like that we talked about a little bit earlier. And Mark goes, of all the things to let me sleep through, are you kidding me? Of course he is like that. But Yeah, he really is. And we see little bits and pieces. So especially when Katrina and I were just watching this too, we were talking about it like, the movie kind of like doesn't really stop like there's like stuff after stuff after stuff after stuff and that's one thing that makes it really good but it's kind of everything's happening in a way that you like don't recognize the significance of whatever it is like obviously Mm -hmm. like I guess like that's what I was meaning before like when I said I like movies that like tell you what they are and things like that like I like stories where everything about the dialogue is important everything about the visuals are important everything like in the costuming like the fact that there's like the runic alphabet and everything means something like there's no fluff in this and it's why you like taylor swift huh yeah no fluff at all just (laughs) just feels so we've seen like mark has a little flirtationship with a village girl Uh, Maya gives googly eyes to Christian every time she gets Josh is always talking to the elders asking questions there's one point where Josh and an elder are with um Ruben who we've seen as um he is a product of inbreeding and he's very physically disfigured and they say that he is their village chosen one and he interprets and creates the what he doesn't he just creates the elders interpret but he he creates so like we see him like painting and like not even like what we would call it good paintings like it's just like color like ink blots and things like that so the elders are interpreting things and they put it in their like culture books and that's their recorded history and josh asks once if he can take a picture of it and the elders are like no 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 like we keep all of our like important stuff sacred Mm -hmm. we just see like christian he asks dumb questions like he doesn't want to write his thesis on the harga because he's very affected he wants to write about the harga because there's shit going on 
and he just wants to throw his name in the ring of like something that will relate back to him and his involvement so everybody's archetype really plays through and it's consistent yeah and you can kind of see that with even as we go like nobody strays from that yeah we get a little bit of connie and simon um at at one point and we're, and we're gonna kind of like run through the rest of this really quickly because like it's important but not every single detail is um danny comes across connie at one point and she's packing and she's saying they're leaving but we don't see simon and another villager comes up to connie and is like hey there was only room for one other person besides the driver in the truck we took him, a simon to like the bus the stop or the train station. shop or something yeah. like that but well he said he's going ahead and we will come back for you and take you and connie's freaking out she's like why would he go without me she's like i could have sat on his lap like i want to leave and they're just like oh no it's okay yeah and throughout all of this i've realized danny is the only one calling them out on obvious red flags and whenever she brings him up to christian he's like oh it's fine it's fine like no like logically this makes no sense and she knows it connie knows it but all of the men outsiders are just like "Eh, who cares not affecting me not gonna hurt me doesn't matter yeah anything i mean except for simon but we don't see him after the out of stupa anymore no i don't think that we do we just see Connie and Connie talks about Simon. All the men are so wrapped up in their own thing. Mark wants to nail that girl. Josh wants his intellectual superiority. Right. Christian, I don't want to say Christian like just wants to be involved. Christian wants to wants it to be known he was involved. There's just a lot of things that are happening at the same time. Like after all of this, like you see the um I don't, I don't know if they were sacrifices, but the people from the Atastupa, their ashes are being scooped onto a tree while Connie walks by. So there's really a lot of background stuff happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then later we see Mark peeing on a tree. Like it's a dead tree on the ground. And um, this man is screaming like, you idiot, stop. What are you doing? Is losing his mind and he's like it's just a dead tree yeah and the, the man ex- comes up screaming in swedish and mark doesn't understand like what he's being yelled at for and then pele comes up and kind of translates he's like hey like this tree this humongous like dead tree that's laying on its side um it represents like our ancestors and our dead and we respect it yeah and mark's just like it's just a dead tree like i'm sorry i didn't know well actually i don't even think he ever says i'm sorry i think he just says i didn't know yeah well i mean and you you probably wouldn't know but at the same time you don't just piss on things well it's a huge open field like it's their community yeah. space like all like the He's buildings not hiding and stuff are either. lined up like I'm sure they have they have an outhouse in like their little get high meadow. I'm sure there's a place to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Or you could have gone behind being... another building. Well, and that's the thing. Like he's the fool. Right. And... and they call him a fool, basically. Yeah. And then he gets dragged away somewhere. 
And I think um, Maya lures him away during lunch. Or no, it's the girl. It's the girl yeah. that he's with. Maya oh, is not for Maya. Christian only. Why we don't know yeah. who the other girl is. No, she basically makes eyes at him during lunchtime like the next day, and he's like, Okay. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna go tap that. And then bye, Mark. Yeah, we don't see him. Well, we see a little bit of him later. (laughs) Clarice. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Good one. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, so the next day. They have lunchtime and Christian is disregarding all the red flags that we've talked about. Danny still doesn't understand why Simon left without Connie. Nobody's seen Connie. Actually, everybody heard like a faint scream throughout the whole time that they were doing different things. I think that was Connie. I think like Um, canonically it is Connie. Danny was pulled into like making lunch with the other village women. Yeah. And she just kind of like makes like a noise and like if you have the captions on it says like woman screams in distance or something like that yeah. and Danny's like did you hear that everyone's like they're per- they're really good gaslighters like I don't I don't know that when I've watched it if I've ever heard the scream I don't have great hearing so I do definitely rely on captions I mean it's got to be there well and it's there multiple times they so they show Danny in the um, kitchen and you hear the scream and then they show Mark doing something and you hear the scream. So it's like the same moment is being shown for each person and they all hear it, but nobody acknowledges it. Which is a horrible metaphor for society. A cry for help and nobody cares. Yeah, um, exactly. And what Danny and the other women have done is they've made like hand pies like for lunch. I think they're like meat pies or something. I I did notice this the very first time I watched it because you get like a camera sweeping shot because all the tables every time they sit to eat the table configuration is in a different form of Mm -hmm. a runic letter. I don't know what those letters are don't ask me and I would have to look it up to know the symbolism but I'm not going to do the research. But I've noticed that that's what they are. And I've, like, watched a bunch of think pieces. There are people way smarter than me. I just like to talk. So that's why I have a podcast. You get the long sweeping shot of the table and everybody kind of sitting down to eat. And I noticed that in these glasses of, like, lemonade or tea or whatever mm-hmm. it is, like, it's a light liquid. Um, Christian's was darker than everybody's. Not, yeah. like super super noticeable but i noticed it the first time i watched it than yellow yeah and um we do see him drink it and we see maya looking at him from across the way then he takes a bite out of his little pie thing and then like pulls like a little hair out of his mouth and mark is at the table still at this point and he looks over and he's like oh my god like is that a pube and then everyone's like, ew, gross, gross. And I have a lot of thoughts on this. One, from the tapestry, we know what's going on. This movie doesn't right. leave, it leaves some things, but like it really doesn't leave like the big stuff about what's going on. Like it literally tells you, it paints a literal picture for you about what's yeah. going on. So there's that. The other thing is, if he did find a hair would he know like specifically it was a pubic hair because the hair is a little bit lighter and Maya has red hair but Christian 
kind of has reddish hair like in the sunlight it like tints a little mm-hmm. so I don't know how Mark immediately jumped to pubic hair other than possibly like scripting and just being like hey let's make sure everybody in the audience knows what we're correlating yeah you agree well and I think yeah because I wouldn't have guessed pubic hair right away, honestly. That's not the first thing that comes to my mind when I'm just thinking about finding hair in food, you know? No, no. But I also think that Mark is the right person to say it because he's the kind of person that would say that shit. Well, he's a I'd be like, jump to like the, oh my God, are you, did you just eat a pube? Oh my God, like shut up. And then my last thought on this before we jump into like actual serious stuff is I think of, Sweeney Todd when Mrs. Love is like popping pussies into pies and I'm like pee because it is yeah it, it I mean it is a pubic hair it literally yeah. is but I'm just like tee funny joke yeah and I thought something I noticed at this lunch just like my last thing about it was that when Danny was still trying to figure out about Connie the one of the village people popped in and was like i know what happened to connie let me tell you and i'm like trust no one why they they have very carefully scripted everything for this and he's like i saw so and so take her to the train station and she met up with simon and they left together so that to kind of like put danny at ease yeah and um before this danny had a nightmare that she went outside it was the middle of the night and she saw all the guys in a truck leaving her there with the harga um and while danny's questioning christian she's like would you leave me here and christian's like why would that ever even happen which is not answering the question but it's just one of those things and and i think that it just goes back to danny's insecurity which isn't it's valid. Yeah. And she, she doesn't trust him, obviously. Well, I mean, so far what we've seen, he hasn't done anything to make her trust him. And it's just one of those things between, you know, guys being like, everything's fine. You're reading too much into mm-hmm. it. Danny's like, you wouldn't leave me, would you? Like all these hypotheticals, like, would you love yeah. me if I was a worm? Would you love me if <laughs> I was a worm? I need to know. They're important yeah. questions. And I think people who talk down about questions like that, even if they are a little unfounded or extreme, just validate the emotion. I think that your fantasy football is stupid. Calm me down. The end. Yeah, I mean, I ask Yuri pretty much every day or every other day, you still love me? You still love me? And we're married, like, we're married, but I gotta, do- I just want to check. I just, just, just checking. Well, Making yeah. sure you're still good if there's ever a time that i stop wondering and like asking out loud if you love me then i don't love you anymore yeah i don't want to know anymore i don't care i even um last week i had a team's call with my boss i think i told you this story um and then when we were like okay everything's good blah 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 and like saying bye he like hung up really fast on the call I just like sat there because it was just so abrupt and then he messaged me and he's like sorry I didn't mean to hang up that fast 
was like, I, on the inside, I was like, thank you for validating me because you know that I'm anxious. But I like responded. It was like, I know you hate me. It's fine. And he was like, no, I don't hate you. Like, it's just like a funny <laughs> yeah. thing. But it's also like, you know, he hung up the phone too fast. And I was like, how dare you? So, but he he knows me. And he just, all he had to do was like, send that message. I didn't mean to hang up so fast. Boom. Mm-hmm. That's it. Done. And Christian. Saved you hours of agony. Contemplating literally. what it meant. Literally. That's exactly um, what it is. So that night after the period pie and the Bloody Mary that Christian <laughs> consumed. Josh sneaks out during the night so that he can take photos of the Ruby Raider. Raider which is their like bible basically you see in the reflection uh ruben the little intended incest boy and he just gets marked with a hammer absolutely destroyed yeah so there's another mirror so there's like a pulpit where the book is that has a light over it and josh goes in there he's flipping through he's taking his pictures and then he sees what he thinks is mark in the reflection because it's like way behind him in a silhouette and he's like mark what are you doing like shut the door like i can't get caught taking pictures and while josh is staring at mark he gets hit in the head with a mouth like right on top of him and then i thought it was like jurassic park like but the attack doesn't come from the front it's from the sides (laughs) from two other raptors you didn't even know were there and like that's a little bit of a jump scare and josh is on the ground like his head's bleeding out and he's kind of like twitching a little bit and then you just see his body get dragged away yeah so i think this is the first time we actually see a murder right right proof of a murder that I'm, i'm aware of yeah which is kind of nice because the whole movie i mean obviously there's a lot of like crazy shit happening but we didn't have any proof that Simon didn't go first and then the guy comes back yeah. for Connie and drives away. We haven't seen Mark, but we don't have any proof that he's just not fucking some girl and having a good time. Right. So if he's the one to run away from the party, Rachel, then Mark's the one. So, so nobody was really worried about where he was until Josh may or may not have seen his face. And it... It just, and something that we talked about when we watched it was they did a really good job. So obviously Skin the Fool is a game that they play a lot of. Um, Like better than Dwight in the office. Yeah, like it was like a whole face mask. It was really good. And one thing I do like about this too is it's, it's validating the audience that you know obviously we're aligned with Danny as our protagonist but with all the gaslighting and stuff that she gets we're kind of like we don't know no no that shit is happening and then Ari Aster gives us a moment to be like yeah this is the bad place which is a joke because the guy who plays Josh was on the good place (laughs) oh you're right I didn't even put that together yeah he is um so it's it's nice as an audience member to be like yeah like here's your proof that shit Mm -hmm. is going crazy 
And so is, go ahead. I want to say, so Josh and Mark are now no more. And the next morning, Father Odd makes this announcement of like, the Ruby Raider has been stolen. Please bring it back. Blah, blah, blah. Basically saying Josh ran off with the Ruby Raider. And that's the explanation for Josh's disappearance. So they're really trying to make sure nobody panics before the finale of their festival. Mm -hmm. Um, After their breakfast, uh, Father Odd comes across Christian and Danny. They're just walking around. I don't even know what they're doing. And Father Odd is like, oh, where's your friend Josh? We haven't seen him this morning. Like kind of making a dig that your friend took the book and we know you know about it christian he just this is the most he's talked in the entire movie put together he just goes off no no like we don't know where he is he went to bed with us last night he was gone this morning we haven't seen him we don't know what's going on we we weren't even that close of friends like we we were just in the same classes we we don't know each other. I would never do that. Listen, I really respect what you guys are doing. I think that you guys have a great culture. Like he's just going on and on and on. And Danny's just staring at him probably because that's more than he's talked in their entire relationship too. Mm -hmm. And the father odd is like, huh? Well, um, whatever the elder lady's name is like said or something like that. She's like, she wants to speak with you and is talking to Christian and uh, some of the other ladies come and get Danny to get ready for their maypole little ceremony. Yeah. And this is when you can tell that they're intentionally trying to split them up now. Like at this point, they're trying to make sure that they stay separated and don't make a true connection again. Like um, that is the last time they're together, I, I think. Yeah. Like alone together, talk to each other the whole movie yeah we're, so, we're getting to the end yeah so christian goes into i don't remember the lady's name but like the head lady's little hut and it has the same like paintings on all of the walls and the runics letters and everything and basically says we have approved you to mate with maya she really likes you we want you to sleep with her basically make her a baby and he's like um what what about danny but he's like not saying no at the same time um and so he leaves there like dumbfounded confused a little bit like contemplating his whole life but in the meantime danny is being is getting ready for the maypole contest competition that they hold and the girls are all drinking this like i think it's like dandelion tea quote unquote Um, yeah because it's got a little like flowers in it and stuff but she's like oh it's drugs they all take their drink she was a little hesitant but she was like look her in the eyes when you take the drink and i was like that's a little weird i don't like that contact they did like the marriage thing like where you like lock arms over your spouse and then take a drink and then they looked at each other and had to do like the (sighs) yeah they do a lot of that like breathing together crying together and so they start the maypole contest with and they explain a little bit like this is our tradition you know whoever the last woman standing wins yeah like they're dancing all crazy and they're all hopped up on drugs some people just like fall down 
But like you fall down, you're out. Like you got to keep yeah. dancing. Well, and Christian shows up and he's offered a drink. He doesn't want it at first, but he finally ends up taking it. And the first girl to fall when he arrives is obviously Maya. And she sits down in the crowd and everybody's watching the girls. It goes on for a little bit. Danny somehow miraculously wins. I think they let her win, but that's just me. I think it's Um, highly likely they could have let her win. It's, we don't know. And one thing that I like about this too is the girls got Danny ready. So she's wearing a Harga dress, like white with the blue. They give her a little flower crown. Christian is the only one wearing street clothes. He's in a blue shirt and jeans. So more blue. Uh So he really sticks out of the crowd and he's tripping balls yeah and he's hard. just sitting there in the grass and everyone you know just kind of gathers around him they're all sitting and watching the deal but danny even tries to like look at him and connect with him and he's he's gone he's not yeah. present bruh the the rest of this movie is a true struggle for christian like <laughs> he he's got a rough so danny inevitably wins may queen it was destined to be since the very beginning And they just start, like, adoring her and, like, putting these flowers all over her. And every time she tries to ask a question, they just, like, laugh and keep, like, pushing her in this, like, guiding her to a direction. Like, yeah, the whole... They're, like, love bombing her. The the cult has crowded her. Um, She sees her parents walk through, like, the little crowd. And she's like, Mom? Dad? Like, she's tripping... Pele comes up and like gives her a big old smooch on the lips. Yeah. Like kind of in front of Christian too. He's hot though, so I'm I'm down with it. <laughs> and they take her to sit at their feast table and it looks like the food is breathing and like she feels like she's got like grass growing out of her body again. Mhm. And Christian's like he makes his way to the table and he's sitting there but he's like all hunched over like yeah staring off in the distance like (laughs) he's really about to lose it and he tries to talk to this old man and there's a fly buzzing around and he just like right in his face and he starts to almost cry like why would you do that like he's (laughs) he's not doing good i think it's it's the first time kind of we are guided to feel a little bit of sympathy for him but i don't no not really so they're all eating and they try to get danny to eat this herring whole they're like you have to eat it whole and they're like teasing her and like she spits it out and they all laugh they're having a good time and then they're like here get in this carriage now you're cinderella basically so she lights the torches on the carriage she gets in these girls are like pulling her away and running next to it all the meanwhile they're laying a flower path for christian to follow into the uh sex dungeon that's what i like to call it um, literally but his eyes are scary <laughs> yeah he's like, gone so this whole time they're celebrating her you know, they're she asked, you know, can Christian come? And they're like, nah. You know, they're doing this ritual where they put like 
meat and grains and eggs into a hole as like an offering I'm guessing yeah I think it's like their ritual for like a bountiful next 90 years yeah so while they're doing that Christian is being like prepared or prepped for this you know they put a robe on him or something he's pushed into a room that you just see Maya naked laying down on like a flower bed and a ton of Hargan women are like standing next to each other like arms around each other like swaying and like chanting Mm -hmm. they're all butt-ass naked Christian's tripping butt-ass naked as well Christian is also butt-ass naked yeah and I appreciate that like yeah honestly for like an inequality thing more male nudity in movies Mm-hmm. so christian and maya start to have sex on this like flower bed around all these women and maya like reaches out for a woman and she starts she comes down to like comfort her and starts singing and it scares the shit out of christian because this lady just came out of nowhere but they all start like breathing together making noises together doing the whole thing and basically are like once they're at it for a while, tell him to finish. And this lady comes up and starts shoving his butt to like <laughs> make sure he doesn't pull out, I guess. And so Maya, when he finishes, is like curls her legs up and it's like, I can feel it, I can feel it, I can feel the baby. And then he like he gets up and he's like, Oh shit, and he runs out of the place. Meanwhile, Danny is coming back. She hears all of this commotion happening and is like, what is that? And someone says, that's not for you. You don't want to go in there. And she's like, okay, but I do. I make my own decisions. She looks through like the keyhole. Yeah. Careful what you ask for. She looks through the keyhole and sees everything happening with Christian and Maya and all these women and just loses it vomits out of like upset crying and all these women are crying with her like in her face like feeling her pain empathy and so really that she's bonding with them over her pain while christian is when he finishes he runs out of the building with a bloody dick and um is like panicked doesn't know what to do is just like trying to run away somewhere yeah, I don't know if it's, and I and I mean this sincerely, like post nut clarity. Like, did his mind kind of come back? Like, because he goes into panic. Like, he doesn't seem yeah as tripped out. He knows he's naked. He is running around. He sees people. He's like trying to cover himself. He runs into like a chicken coop, oh. and he sees. I really. I think that this is so well done, but it's so awful. He sees Simon strung up in the chicken coop. Um, it's called a blood eagle. It's a, an actual torture thing. Um, and what that means, like he's tied up, um, like laying flat, like levitated above the floor. Hit all of the skin in his back. Um, has been filleted open and his lungs are like pulled out and like strung up 
So it's really gross. Um, and you can kind of see like his lungs still like pumping, like inhaling and exhaling. Like, so he's alive. I mean, that's, I, I think it's Viking torture, which would make sense with like the Swedish thing. Um, but yeah, and he's got flowers like in his eye sockets. I assume his eyes have been removed for this. I mean, it's possible they like poked a hole and put the stems in, but we don't see like they're just flowers. And Christian, I think, I think Christian is sober or pretty close to sober yeah. at this point. But I think what he's seeing is tripping him out so much because he gets really close to him and like kind of gets under Simon's eyes and like he's like looking at it and then he turns around and one of the elders is there and like blows like some kind of powder in his face like a knocks him out because then it just cuts to black. Before all that happened he tried to go somewhere else, but he actually saw Josh's leg in a garden. So even before he saw Simon, he's like, oh shit, Josh is dead. And then it just got worse from there for him. Yeah, it was pretty obvious that it was Josh because I think Josh is the only black person in the movie. Yeah. I mean, they're Swedish, so like it's not like a race thing or whatever. It just was very obvious. But the next time Christian wakes up, Someone opens his eyes for him. Oh, wait, no. Before that, even, we see some people, an, a man teaching children how to um, prepare a bear. So basically, they're, they have a bear. Um, they're removing its organs. He's showing it like how to cut, where to cut, so that you don't puncture or rupture anything. Like, basically, then, like, taxidermy procedure. Yeah. Um, and, and I think Christian is watching the whole time as well. He's just in a chair, lifeless. Like, they open his eyes. I don't know. Honestly, so yeah. for me, I have, like, a big thing with animals and stuff. Like, I can't watch. Like, I can't even watch the fox and the hound because, like, they get sad. So I can't handle it. Like, so I've never seen this scene um where they're cutting up the bear i just know that it happens like i've seen like tiny little clips of it and then i want to cry so i i can't do it yeah um so thank you from for what i remember me. i think christian is watching and so basically next time we see christian is when he's in a wheelchair out in front of danny who has been crowned the may queen and she's sitting up on the platform from the very mm -hmm. first day um and she looks so fucking out of it um she's hallucinated a lot she saw her sister or or did she see her sister or we kind of see her sister's like silhouette in the trees as she's being like carried over to the dinner table like it's like the imagery of how like the trees in the very background are shaped it kind of looks like her sister with a gas mask so homegirl's just kind of been through it she's probably coming down from mm -hmm. the drugs um and it's explained that the harga need to sacrifice nine people for their midsummer festival for these 90 years um half of them have to be outsiders so they thank ingmar and pele for bringing these people into their community and pele gets like an extra honor 
because somebody he brought in became their May Queen. Right. And something that I thought was interesting is, so there's Ingmar and somebody else from the community that brought in outsiders. And basically they said that since they brought outsiders, they also had the honor of being sacrificed. So like if you brought somebody and you didn't, your person didn't win May Queen, like you get murdered as well. See, and you said this when we were watching it. I don't remember them saying, like, you brought in the May Queen. I thought that they were just volunteers, and I thought Ingmar was just so enraptured in this activity that he brought people in, and it was an honor for him to volunteer to be a sacrifice. See, and I heard it as, you brought in people for a sacrifice, Therefore, you are also sacrificing yourself. Like, as, like, if you bring somebody in, that means you also, like, if your people are going to be sacrificed, you also get sacrificed. Like, as a I mean, equal opportunity. Yeah, and, like, deal. for them, too. And it's, like, what every single cult member has said is, like, it's an honor to to sacrifice and to be sacrificed. So, yeah, maybe both are correct. I didn't hear it that way, but it. Either way. There, there's no way to tell, like, no, because the characters are still happy about doing it. Yeah. And then there's an opportunity, like, a little, like, bingo ball spinner where the May Queen can pick their final sacrifice. And it's between Christian, who's paralyzed now. Um, a village woman said you can't speak you can't move and then she just kind of like runs away she's like that's it so he's just sitting there lifeless (laughs) just just letting you know and it's between christian or another um, like they when they did like the little bingo ball like that's who decided Mm -hmm. which of the villagers was going to be the last opportunity and danny decides between those two people who it is and you see christian and danny just lock eyes and danny just looks really really upset And then we cut to that yellow building. And when I saw the movie the first time, I thought it looks like a new build building in comparison to everything else that looks like it's been there for a while. Far off from everything else as well. Yeah. And it's bright yellow. It's yellow. So something that I just kind of thought about was Christian is sitting there and whatever happens happens because he can't talk. Like, he can't speak for himself anymore. And part of me is kind of glad about that because... He sucks. His actions throughout this whole movie have spoken loud enough for him that really the decision comes down to Danny and what her final thoughts about Christian are. He's manipulated her with words this whole time. And finally, he can't and just kind of has to suffer the consequences of that. Yeah, so we see... Um, inside of the yellow building, um, tons of bales of hay. Uh-huh. Um, a few bodies are being wheeled in on a wheelbarrow. Um, we see Connie's body that's stuffed with hay. It's just kind of like a little meat suit. The same uh-huh. thing for Mark. Um, they have somehow plastered like his face back on the thing, and he has like a little jester hat because he's yeah. a fool. And then there are like stick figure straw bodies that I believe are meant to 
be stand-ins for the two bodies from the Atastupa because they're part right. of the sacrifice. Um, one, I don't remember how many other. One, two. Yeah, and Josh's body. Right. So okay, so Josh, Simon, Mark, Connie, Simon, the two from the Atastupa. And then Ingmar and the other guy. Ingmar and the other volunteer. And then Christian. Yeah. So that's yeah, nine. So that's nine. Um, Christian, we see him being like brought in and placed down. He's inside of the bear suit. Um, sewed up. Like he's just sitting there. Like, I mean, it's nothing. Like, I, I think he's mentally all with it. He just cannot speak or move. Yeah. So that's Which really, I'd rather be knocked out. And I, somebody... I wonder if he feels anything because the um, a, a, some villager like comes in and puts like a little solution um, in the mouths of Ingmar and the other other villager and says it's so they won't feel any pain. Yeah, and then Which we learn ahead. as a lie. So I don't think I think Christian can Probably felt feel it. it. Yeah, I just don't know because he's, like, he's paralyzed. I don't know like what the nerve. Well, he... And he can't react because Fuck. I think that the you this is so you won't feel anything was really more of like a a way to calm them mentally so that they don't chicken out at the last minute. <laughs> I don't know because what happens next is they set the building on fire, like from the inside with all of the hay and stuff. Then as we see the flame starting to touch. Um, the bodies of the villagers like then they start screaming because they can feel the pain I guess I like to think that the villagers probably thought that that solution did numb them but also this is a story about a village that sets its people on fire so how is one to know Forces them to jump off cliffs at 73. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it really could go either way. I have no idea. It's probably so, more of a ritualistic thing than a feelings thing. Yeah. And everybody on the outside is watching the building burn. As soon as the men start screaming, the village is acting out their versions of pain. They're screaming. They're grabbing their face. They're like moving their bodies they're emoting mm-hmm. being in unison feeling this pain at first danny is really sad she has the famous you know florence Pugh frown which is really beautiful and it, i mean probably the most famous shot of the movie is where her frown kind of turns into a smile like there's like hope and and this is i would liken this movie to gone girl in the way that boys don't understand what's going on or like the feelings behind everything where Danny's frown into a smile I don't think it's because she enjoys specifically the events of you know watching your ex get burned up I mean maybe she does (laughs) the feeling and, and this is a very common thing I've seen in reviews and things like that is like Danny has found a community and it doesn't necessarily matter to her what the community is doing. It's the fact that they've accepted her wholly. And for what we've 
known of her is for the first time like she's safe yeah so that's that's the end of midsummer in action um i have thoughts on it and other research i've done but i want to hear your thoughts and opinions ah you know what they say about opinions everybody's got one no it really took me watching it twice though to get the full grasp on it and i i think there are movies that you can watch one time and you get it and you're good but this is one of those that you you need the second time around to watch it and really understand the characters and what's happening and what's being set up throughout the whole movie yeah the second time I watched it I was more uncomfortable than I was the first time because I knew what was happening Mm -hmm. and I was so like I was like inside myself like shaking and like this is crazy this is so gory and now I mean I've seen it a handful of times at this point now I I enjoy it. I, it's not as scary or gory to me. Um, And Ari Aster, the writer director, he, he said, he's like, I wrote this movie about a breakup. Like this is a breakup movie. And like, it's, it is, it's, it's grief. It's being in a situation that's not good for you. It's, watching things happen around you and not having any control it's being told things that aren't true but you can't stand up for yourself it's losing what you thought you needed and being okay after it so I I really appreciate it much more and I think that when you watch Hereditary see it as a sister movie and there are people like if you've seen hereditary first then you like hereditary more and people who watch midsummer first like midsummer more and that's i mean that's how i am and it it has nothing to do with me not liking hereditary but i just identify with midsummer more so watch out boys i understand the whole you know this is a breakup this is about grief but at the same time you know the ending they're saying, oh, it's kind of a happy ending. It's hope. But I don't see any of it. I don't see hope. I see manipulation and people taking advantage of Danny truly at her lowest point in her life. You know, saying this woman has been through the worst of it and she needs support. So let's give her support. But at the same time, we're going to manipulate her into believing this is healthy compared to what she was doing because yeah she wasn't a toxic relationship and she was you know insecure and attached had attachment issues to christian and everything like that and all of those broke when she was in harga but then she just created new unhealthy attachments to everyone there and is leaning on them for support rather than learning i'm okay by myself well, I'm okay I, alone. I think both of those things are true at the same time. Um, I think it's it's been mentioned in things that I've seen, and I agree with it. Um, there is like you know some there's there's a lot of chemistry between Pele and Danny, and 
with what Pele said kind of about their natural life cycle and stuff like that, I don't know exactly how old he is. He, I mean, but he's in his summertime between 18 uh-huh. and 36. Um, possible. Cause they, they did mention at one point toward the beginning, like, you know, if the cult, the cult, if the community stays here, how, like, is there an issue with inbreeding? And that's when we're introduced to Ruben. Um, and one of the elders says that they bring in outsiders and I think that we're meant to assume that Pele and Danny get together because right. they have that chemistry. Um, it absolutely was Pele's job to bring people in for this. I think it was just a bonus that he got Danny and that she became their May Queen and was staying with the community. But on the flip side, she is not leaving. I don't think she could if she wanted she, to. She wasn't going to leave one way or another. She was either going to die or this was going to happen and she would she's choosing herself to say, but there are definitely factors that got into her brain, like you're saying it yeah. was manipulated. But at least she yeah, feels and- good about her choice for now. Right. In the moment, she felt safe, she felt supported. Um, but I think that's just kind of how like cults go is that they find people at their lowest moments, they prey on that, and then they trap you either, you know, financially, emotionally, like blackmail, whatever. And so it true to cult fashion, but it's, you know, I don't know if she had fully realized that by the time everything was happening but i feel like after a while that would have settled in that like oh shit i am here well and also all the times like you said she's the only one calling out red flags and everyone just was you know telling her to settle down so fine Mm -hmm. i'm gonna settle down so hard that i'm gonna be a part of them forever (laughs) fuck you christian i am now a settler Mm -hmm. she settled for christian so she's been a settler her whole life Yeah, so I I just, I think that it's really interesting. I think that there are definitely a ton of ways to interpret this movie and what each little thing means. And I think that that's the sign of something that's been well-crafted. Yeah, you can have multiple opinions and they don't, like, I don't think either of us are wrong in our, like, conclusions with the movie. It's just it's up to interpretation and your personal experiences but i i like reading everybody else's you know the theories and everything that like their feelings on it i think that this will be definitely one of the defining horror movies of our generation and i i haven't seen ari aster's new movie bo is afraid with joaquin phoenix but i'm interested in it mm-hmm. i think that I definitely think there's some film bro-ism in what Ari Aster creates. I do appreciate something that gives me something new every time I watch it. Yeah. So it, I mean, I wouldn't call Midsummer like a comfort movie for me. I mean, there's a lot of horror that I can say is like in a comfort mode for me. That's, I mean, that's my genre of choice 99% of the time. But I appreciate being able to engage differently 
every time or find something or because there is so many there are so many symbolism layers built out like I didn't see like the the gas mask face in the trees the first time I watched it I saw the the bloody mary like you said the first time but there are things and also when you become comfortable with um, like a movie especially then you're not you can watch different parts of the frame at any given moment so like how you mentioned like some of the background stuff like when mark was peeing on a tree like there's kind of always something to look for and it it just Mm -hmm. makes it really interesting so that's midsummer that is kind of how we're wrapping up really enjoyable and i enjoyed watching it with you uh we are (laughs) katrina said we are liars uh which is true we have some ideas of what we want to do for content for the next couple of months since we're getting into summer and and that's why we picked midsummer is because it's may we wanted to have something like maybe it just works for my ADHD brain to like have something to compare it to that that makes something work but I want to leave you with a quote for what I think we were going to end up doing for our next episode which if even if it doesn't happen the very next episode if something changes we will absolutely cover this movie so I'm going to leave you with a quote from it okay here is my lasting quote yo Angela why you so fucked up that's it i'm gonna have to ask her what it, oh now i get it it really took me a second um do you know i do now i really try but happy midsummer y'all and happy we will see may. you end of may but it's still summer it's yeah but we will see you on the next one Mom. bye Thank you guys for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our episode and we look forward to hearing from you. Find us on Twitter or Instagram to request a movie or even just to discuss your thoughts at booze and boobs or send us an email boozeandboobs at gmail.com. Yeah, and we're working on turning this into a thing. So if you can please follow us on Patreon, our account there is booze and boobs also. And what are some of the benefits to joining our Patreon? Oh, Katrina, I am so glad that you asked. As a patron, you will get early release episodes, bloopers, uh, mini episodes where we showcase uh, scenes from the movies that we're talking about or just conversations that we're having that we had to cut from our recording. All that and more. And they're fun tiers. You can be an A cup, a C cup, or you can join the Triple D Plus group like us. We truly appreciate your support and we look forward to growing our following to create more content for listeners like you. So we'll see you next time or else. Yeah, let's end it with a threat.